How's it going, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, the takes are hot. We got two episodes this week for y'all. Uh, episode 10 is on deck today. We got a good bit to talk about today, but we're going to kick it off with some NHL, some hockey, as we kind of wanted to kick it off with this because the playoffs are upon us. Uh, the first round kicked off about a week ago. We're going to be keeping y'all up on the current state of the matchups, some scores uh, during these Stanley Cup playoffs as they continue. Uh, this is just the first round, though, out of four rounds that eventually will lead to uh, the champion. But for the Eastern Conference, we got four matchups in the East Conference. We got the Boston Bruins versus Carolina Hurricanes. The series is tied at two games apiece right now. We got the Tampa Bay Lightning, Toronto Maple Leafs. It's also tied. Capitals at the Florida Panthers. Capitals are up 2-1 right now. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins versus the New York Rangers, and the Penguins lead that 2-1. Uh, I mean, a couple series there aren't tied, but for the most part, I mean, series are tied, so it's really come down to the best of three series these last three games, which should be exciting to watch. Um, but for the Western Conference, we got the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild. That series is tied up. The Los Angeles Kings and Edmonton Oilers. Is tied up as well. Uh, the Nashville Predators and Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche are up 3-0 and going for a sweep tonight. And then the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. And the Stars lead that 2-1 and have a home game. And then tonight we have uh, four matchups on slate. Again, it's going to be four series, or I guess eight series total, so we'll split them up. Uh, four games and four games. So tonight we've got the Panthers at Capitals. Caps are up 2-1. Uh, probably bet on the Caps tonight at home. They're a pretty good home team. Um, Oh, that's Brett's team. So, and uh, got Rangers at Penguins. Uh, Pens are up 2 1. Again, I'll probably take the Penguins there. Um, my favorite team in the Eastern Conference is the Penguins, personally. I'm not, a, I don't follow hockey super close, but I like the Penguins simply because of the mascot. Um, mascot alone is my favorite animal. So, rocking with the Pittsburgh Penguins there. Um, Avalanche at Predators. Avalanche are up 3 0. Um, could be a sweep. I know Avalanche are kind of the best team out there um, in the West for most of the season. So, We'll see if they pull off a sweep tonight. But I know home ice and hockey is probably the most important home field advantage in all professional sports. Um, so Predators could pull one out tonight and, and avoid the sweep. And then uh, Flames at Stars. Stars are up 2-1. Um, always pull for the Stars. Pull for the Dallas team. Pull for, um, I don't have any vested interest in early in hockey. So I'll pull for the Texas team to go 3-1 tonight in Dallas. Um, and tomorrow we got four more matchups that will play game five of their series. Uh, got Bruins at Hurricanes. Uh, series nodded at 2-2. Um I won't make a prediction on that one. I have no idea. The Lightning at Maple Leaf series tied 2-2. I know the Lightning are supposed to be like the best team in the league this year. They're, they're stacked. They're going for a three-peat this year. So um, on the road, should be tough, but they may have they may, they may pull it out and avoid the uh, 3-2 deficit. And then Blues at Wild series tied 2-2 as well. And then uh, Kings at Oilers series tied 2-2. I'll pull for the Kings. It's my dad's team when you grew up watching hockey. Um, again, not a big hockey person, not a big hockey family, but uh, pull for the LA Kings. I got – LA ties, so I'll pull for them there. Um, Avalanche Panthers have the best odds to win the Stanley Cup right now, and they have the two best records in the league. Um, like I said, wouldn't shock me if the Avalanche went and swept tonight. Uh, Panthers again, they're up two, they're up two one on the Caps, but I think that'll be, or they're down to one on the Caps rather. Um, really can see them going down three one, so wouldn't mind seeing the, the kind of the best team out there in the uh, in the East drop one here, and then uh, if, if any series goes seven games, which looks which, which looks like some will, uh, first round's going to conclude on Sunday the fifteenth. So we'll kind of get you guys an update the following week on uh, how those series went and then into the Western Conference and Eastern Conference finals or semifinals rather. Um, 
And I think that's probably it for the NHL. NHL awards don't come out yet. They come out, uh, I think, after the season's over or just kind of as we're – kind of like the NBA, as you approach the playoffs, they kind of start announcing them. Um, that's all for the NHL. I'll kind of let Brett uh, take over on from here on golf. Yeah, no, exciting time of the year for hockey fans. I know I haven't followed it as closely this year, but as playoffs come around, I'm always bound to watch some games and check in on some scores and stuff. So it's exciting. Uh, it's really cool that it's kind of the one sport where there's just one trophy and there's not multiple Lombardies or multiple World Series trophies. It's just the one Stanley Cup, and it gets passed around each year. So that's really cool too. Uh, but in terms of golf, how's we, how we normally kick off our episodes, uh, we're going to stick to the same kind of agenda here today. Uh, last weekend, about 10 days ago, the Mexico Open wrapped up, and John Rahm, who took home the dub, finishing the tourney at seven under, he won that by one stroke. Ahead of three others, uh, he won himself just over 1.3 mil on the weekend. And then the tourney that just wrapped up this past weekend, had the Wells Fargo Championship at the TPC Potomac Course in Potomac, Maryland. Rory McIlroy won the event last year. Max Home, Max Homa took home the trophy this time around at eight under. Shot 67, 66, 71, and 68. He earned himself 1.62 mil and joined last year's winner, Rory, as the only players to win the Wells Fargo multiple times in their career. Uh, the tourney that is next up after the Wells Fargo is the AT&T Byron Nelson. That will be played at TBC Craig Ranch in McKinney, Texas, just north of Dallas this upcoming weekend. Then after that, we have the second major of the year, the PGA Championship. Uh, Phil Mickelson won last year. Tiger Woods once again took his private jet and flew to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the PGA Championship will be played at the Southern Hills Country Club. Kind of tested out the course, walked the course, see how his leg fared, and see kind of what the conditions would be like as he did at Augusta for the Masters. But he claimed that he would be playing the event after the conclusion of the Masters. And like I said, that event will be kicking off May 19th. But that's pretty much it for golf. Uh, kind of just giving a recap of the events that just happened. Looking forward to the second major of the year coming up in a few weeks. And then we got to the uh u.s open after that in june so it's kind of a fun time of the year we got some majors upon us so keep you all updated with the scores like we always do but we'll be looking for some of the top guys to return to action this upcoming week yeah no doubt i think a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago after the masters i made my my bold prediction early that roy would win the next next major so i'm sticking with it we'll see how he fares uh in the, in the week coming up to it but i might stick with that for now um we'll kind of shift to the mlb here um, I mean, there's no no real crazy news to go over. Um, really, just a standings update. We'll kind of give you guys some stats updates on on Thursday. I mean, the other thing with stats is it's a small sample size right now. So, an ERA leader now could be, you know, rank 90 uh, among active pitchers or uh, eligible pitchers in it. So, uh, sample size is super super small right now. So, stats a little bit inflated or deflated for some guys as well. So, um, but a little standings update: the Yankees are two and a half games ahead of the pack in the AL East. They held the second rest record in baseball. They they were on a you know, a 10 or 11 game winning streak. Uh, they've dropped a couple since then, but um, they look really good. Their pitching staff looks a lot better than expected, which is really nice. That Nestor Cortez, one of their starting pitchers, went and took a no hitter into the eighth inning today against the Rangers. So um, they ended up winning a 1 0 shutout against them. So, you know, really, really good look from him. He's had a great start to his year. Um, the Razor in second with Toronto four games back from New York. 
I think the Rays are a game and a half back from the Yankees. Um, Boston looks terrible. Surprisingly, I thought they could be a potential playoff team. Um, they've been two and eight, two, two and eight in their last 10 games. Um, they're the bottom dweller of that division. Uh, Orioles holding strong in fourth. But um, they're not last, so that's an improvement for them. I know Brett it is yeah. got not to be in last. Um, but they, they've, they've actually lit like their, their lineup looks pretty good once they can get Rutschman up to the majors. Um, Twins are up three games in the AL Central. Uh, preseason favorite White Sox to win that division are three games back with the Guardians a half game behind them in third. Um, Cleveland Guardians, that is kind of a new team name there after the quote name controversy over the past couple of years with the Indians. Um, but kind of surprised to see the White Sox three games back. Um, pitching staff hadn't looked as good as people thought it would, uh, myself included. So uh, bats have been a little, little quiet for them. Again, offense has been down across the majors, um, kind of the, calling it the dead ball area, I guess. But, um, you know, their offense has been pretty slow to start the year. And then uh, Angels are up a half game on the Red Hot Houston Astros in the AL West. Um, Angels have looked incredible so far. Uh, the pitching staff looks legit. Uh, Noah Syndergaard looks good. Otani looks really good. The offense, you know, Rendon kind of finally kind of figured it out um, out there and they're a down year after he signed in 2020. Um, Astros are, I think, a half game back from them. Yeah, half game back. And then third place is over five games out of first. So um, looks like a two-team race right now on the NL, NL or AL West, rather. Um, should come down to the wire if the Angels can keep it up. Um you know, I would love to see someone other than the Astros win the division. It's just it's kind of been dominating the past few years. Uh, the Mariners made a run at it a couple of years ago, and I want to say the, I mean the, the A's won ninety games or something like that last year. So they made it. They had a good year, made a run, but um, both those teams looked they looked to be having down years right now. And then out in the National League, the Mets are up six games on the field in the NL East and hold the third best record in the majors. Um, they've been off to a hot start. Pitching staff looks great, even without Degrom. Uh, offense looks great too. Pete Alonso's having a really good start to the year. Uh, he's hitting a ton of homers right now. Uh, Braves have been off to a slow start, as is Ronald Acuna Jr., their star center fielder. Um, coming back from injury, kind of expected. Uh, he had a really nice bomb off of uh, Corbin Burns of the of the Brewers the other day. So uh, he looked pretty good. But the NL East, the kind of the the field outside of the Braves and Mets, kind of may just be bottom dollars in the, in the league. Um, they don't look great. Uh, the Phillies have been, you know, surprisingly not good. Nats kind of weren't supposed to expect to be good in the Marlins or the Marlins. So uh, look for those two teams kind of being a two-team race there. And then uh, on the NL Central, the Brewers are up two and a half games in the Cardinals. Uh, again, should probably be a two-team a two race there kind of as we get deeper into the season. The rest of the pack seven games back from first. Uh, and they include, that includes the Pirates and the Reds, probably the consensus two worst teams in the majors, even though I do believe the Pirates have the same record as the Cubs right now. The Pirates are definitely worse. Um Although the Reds did finally win a series this week, beat the Pirates, took two or three from them. They are still awful. Far away the worst team in the league. It's comical because yep. their owner was like, who else are you guys going to watch? Who else are you going to watch when, you know, asked about the state of the team, about how bad they are. Um, you know, they're, they they were off to the worst second or tied for the worst start in major league history through 25 games at three and 22. And then uh, they picked up a couple here this week. But, uh, and the funny thing is, so the way the MLB draft works is, um, the draft is in July, so but it's based on the previous year's standings. So this year's draft, the Reds don't really get a high pick because they have the worst record. And then in 2023 when they draft, they're having a lottery for the first pick now instead of tanking. So the Reds being this bad doesn't secure them a, a top pick. So I just think it's funny. Um, I'm all about MLB owners kind of getting it stuck to them. I think 
they all suck. But nevertheless, uh, should be a two-team race on the NL Central with the Brewers and the Braves. Um, and then the Dodgers are up a, ga- a game and a half on the second-place Padres in the NL West. They hold the best record in the majors at, I believe, 20 and 10 or 19 and 10, something like that. Or no, 19 and 7, I think. They've they've had a couple, couple games pushed back, um, played a couple less games. But they are certainly – they look like the best team. They're expected to be the best team. They've looked like it. Um, the entire NL West, though, is above 500 with the Rockies and Giants four games back from the Dodgers and the D-backs five and a half games back. Um, division should come down kind of the wire. It looks like, you know, once the Padres get healthy, they're going to be really good again. Uh, the Giants are kind of in a slump right now. But, uh, you know, I, I don't foresee the Rockies kind of sustaining this, and I don't see the Diamondbacks sustaining it either. So um, should be kind of a three-team race down to the wire. Uh, they should field probably – three playoff teams, if I had to guess, uh, you know, division winner plus two wild cards. So, uh, but especially by the looks of the rest of the national league, they don't look great so far. Um, again, offense is really down across the majors. So, um, nationally doesn't look great, but other than that, uh, there's really, I guess, and really no surprises. Um, the Dodgers Yankees having the two best records in the majors through, you know, roughly 30 games. Isn't shocking anybody. I don't think, I think nobody, nobody was really surprised. They were the one and two team at the top of the power ranking start every start the year. So, um, Nothing too surprising there. I think the Angels are probably the biggest surprise so far this season with them uh, off to a really hot start. I-, I love to see it. I'm glad Mike Trout's finally on a good team. So um, good for baseball for them to be good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, it is early in the season. Kind of seeing some pleasant surprises around the league this year. Hopefully they stay true for the rest of the year. It's fun to see some shakeup down the stretch of the season. That's pretty much it, though, at the pro level. Uh, as for the NCAA baseball, I'm going to start off with Texas Tech, of course. A little under two weeks ago, they traveled to Waco, had a three-game series versus Baylor. Once again, won the first two games of the series behind dominant pitching performances and electric bats, only to lose the finale 11-7 to as they continue to search for a third starter. Uh, they remain at number nine in the rankings for the fourth consecutive week, actually. As rankings came out today, we we're going to use last week's rankings, and then for episode Thursday, we're going to give you all updated rankings. But Texas Tech stays at number nine. Uh, they beat Abilene Christian 16 to 12 and are now back in Lubbock for their bye week uh, before traveling north to Stillwater, Oklahoma next week to play a series versus the number three Oklahoma State Cowboys. That should be a fun series to watch. Oklahoma State has some really good hitters, one incredible pitcher. Um, you know, I can scratch the mark the Sunday game as a loss, but other than that, it should be a fun couple games Friday and Saturday. And really, I mean, whoever wins that series has the Big 12 regular season title in their grasp. Uh, it's going to be – they're going to be controlling their own destiny. You know, it'll be interesting. But Oklahoma State's hot. Um, the same weekend Tech played Baylor, UT hosted Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State swept them. UT was unranked at the time. They are not anymore. Um, that was crazy, though. UT, you know, starting season at one, ten weeks into the season, they're unranked at the hands of, you know, a fellow Big 12 team that was picked to finish below. So kind of ironic. Um, but the team that is now ranked number one and has been for most of the season, the Tennessee Volunteers, they had a series versus number 19, Auburn, who's another team that's looking really good. You know, they have a guy that leads the country in average. Saw him play early second game of the year. They were picked to finish ninth or 10th in the SEC, and here they are at 19 in the country. So really good year for Auburn and – you know, with a few weeks left, I'm sure they'll make some noise in the SEC tournament. Um, but when Tennessee hosted Auburn a week ago uh, in the finale on Sunday, one of their pitchers, Ben Joyce, 
uh, broke a record with the fastest pitch ever recorded in NCAA baseball history at 105.5 miles an hour. Um, it's just insane. Crazy. The fact that he had Tommy John also just makes it even that much crazier. Um, but, you know, they stay at number one. I think they'll probably be to close out the year, barring anything, you know, crazy that happens. And then as we go to the Big Ten in Maryland's game on April 29th, uh, their starter, Ryan Ramsey, threw a perfect game versus Northwestern. They won 13 nothing, and they're at 18 in the latest rankings. Kind of crazy, though. Um, you know, Maryland, not really known for baseball, has this dominant pitcher. They've really performed well this year, you know, being ranked in, you know, maybe not the toughest conference, but Big Ten has some good baseball teams. And for someone to throw a perfect game at the college level is crazy. Absolutely. I mean – First of all, Ben Joyce first. I, I would never really say this, but I mean, where's he going to be ranked in terms of prospects when he gets to the league, and how, and how long till he gets to the show? I mean, seriously, a guy who's pumping one hundred five five and has great control in college. Um, I, I don't really think that's changing much when he gets to the next level. So, I mean, he may make his way through the minors pretty quick. I mean, you you see closers get drafted fairly high, and for I guess it relatively high for in terms of MLB standards, where there's like forty rounds, fifty rounds, but. Um, you know, I could see him going the first the first five rounds and probably make it to the majors by 20, 2024, maybe. I mean, that's two years. That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, again, that's it's insane. And then and then Ryan Ramsey throwing a perfect game in college at, at any level is insane, especially at the college level though against a a, a conference opponent. Um, Really incredible. Maryland's been a surprise this year in terms of how good they've been in terms of, na- in terms of nationally. Um, they look really, really good. So um, I know you're happy to see it. I like to see it, uh, see some Big Ten teams do well. Uh, they're not traditionally a baseball conference. Um, outside of Michigan, there's really no historical power per se um, out there. So, I mean, I think Ohio State's had a couple of good years in the past 10 years. Um, like Iowa's usually decent. But other than that, like I, I could say this before, other than that, there's really no historical power in the big 10. So it's nice to see Maryland uh, 18th nationally. And, and I'm sure they'll have a, they, they should with a pitcher like him, they should, they should make a run uh, maybe to Omaha. So we'll see, but um should be really fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, pitching is what you need to get there to college world series. It should be fun to see, you know, kind of who comes through for teams when it's all said and done, as we get to the regional super regionals and stuff and who can clinch a berth in the college world series. Uh, as for rankings, it came out a week ago today. We're only going to mention, you know, the big rankings, teams that moved up or down more than three spots. Uh, just for the sake of time, we're not going to mention basically every team in the rankings because hardly anyone stays at the spot, really. In terms of teams that moved up, we got UCSB, uh, Florida State, and Georgia Tech, uh, the latter of the two, the latter of the two of the three, are now back in the rankings at – 23 and 21 respectively uh, Maryland like we just mentioned they moved up five spots from 23 to 18 Texas A&M made a big jump from 21 to 13 and they're now 10 um, Louisville moved up from 16 to 10 UCLA moved up from 13 to 9 and Oklahoma State who we just mentioned moved up from 8 to 3 uh, in terms of teams that kind of took a step back the past week UT like we mentioned is now unranked uh, so is Georgia Southern and Wofford. Wofford was 25th. Now they're back out. Um, kind of a shocker in the first place that they were ranked, but no longer. Um, Georgia, 
moved back a little bit from 14 to 22, TCU from 20 to 24, and Stanford from 6 to 11. Um, nothing real shocking in the latest rankings. I mean, UCSB being ranked kind of surprising just based off the teams that are in the rankings currently. Didn't think FSU should have been unranked at the time, but, I mean, they're back in the rankings now. So, um, But, you know, rankings came out today. We'll mention the updated kind of the new status of each team come Thursday when we release the episode. But we'll get we'll get into that more at the end of the episode today. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and then we'll kind of shift towards the NBA here. Uh, NBA playoffs are in full effect, full swing. Uh, before we get to that, kind of the updates on those those series. Uh, Nicole Jokic won NBA MVP uh, for the second straight season here. Uh, I thought he was very deserving considering looking at the Denver team. They were a shell of what, what they could have been. Um, I don't think Aaron Gordon played to his potential this year, and obviously they missed Jamal Murray. So, um, you know, I think Jokic kind of carried that team for most of the season. Um, you know, all they got, you know, they have key contributors on the rest of the team. He's he's the guy. Um, I think he's very deserving. I think there was a case for Joel Embiid, but um, I think you look at the situation that they're both in, and I think it probably favors Jokic a little bit. Um, that's not a statement about either the players, how good they are, or who's better than the other. Um, I'm not – I'm not – not – deep enough into basketball knowledge uh, in terms of the NBA right now to tell you who should have won. But I think Jokic is certainly deserving. Um, if I if I had to make a judgment on it, it's probably what it was, was the situations. Um, but a second round started on Sunday uh, in the Eastern Conference. The Bucks are up 2-1 on the Celtics, and the Sixers are tied with the Heat at 2-2 after they played last night and tied up the series. Yeah, um, two kind of pretty evenly matched series going on in the East right now, like you just said. Be interesting to see how the Bucks series plays out. They're currently the favorites to come out of the East. Um, I mean, rightfully so. Giannis is playing like crazy. Really could have won MVP. I mean, he's doing with this without Chris Middleton right now, which is kind of crazy. So they only become more of a favorite once Middleton gets back. Uh, Sixers Heat, you know, Embiid really could have won MVP. Heat are the number one seed. So that should be a fun series here as we kind of have three more games left to go in that one. Uh, Western Conference, we got the Warriors at Grizzlies. Warriors lead that series 2-1. Kind of been a heated series all throughout. Uh, you know, Jordan Poole kind of pulls John Morant's knee, twists his knee. We don't know when he's returning. Um, but nonetheless, that should be an exciting series. And then the Mavericks at Suns. The series tied 2-2. A little bit surprising that the Mavericks tied it up. I thought the Suns would win in probably five games. Uh, but here we are, you know, Three games is going to be first to win two of the last three. Uh, two of them are in Phoenix. So it'll be fun to watch how that, you know, kind of rounds out. Um, it's going to, all, going to come down to Luca, I think. He's really the whole team for the Mavs. I mean, the other guys on that, like uh, Kleber and Brunson, don't only get the looks that they have without Luca the way he is. So the teams really run through Luca. It's going to be interesting to see how the Suns can adjust to that. Hopefully they f- figure it out sooner or later because they got to win too. So see how that goes. They play tomorrow. Uh, in terms of games tonight, got a couple game threes or a couple game fives. Sorry, uh, Celtics at Bucks. The Bucks are favored by one. Should be an exciting matchup. Uh, and then the Grizzlies at Warriors. Um, the Warriors are favored by ten. So I mean the Warriors, they're favored by that much because Jaw's probably out and it's in. Uh, San Francisco so be a fun game for the Warriors I think you know they're the team that could come out of the west right now just based off how things are looking I think 
They have obviously more experience than anyone else. They have Iguodala might come back pretty soon. Clay is heating up, you know, and Kaminga and Jordan Poole are playing really well as well. So they got the team to do it, and I think they just got to figure out how to defend the Grizzlies here and get to the next round. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Warriors Grizzlies being heated. I mean, Suns Mavs been heated too. I know Luca got teed up last night. Uh, I thought it was kind of BS. They didn't see the Jay Crowder threw him to the ground. Um, gets teed up uh, like literally three and a half minutes into the game, not even. So uh, I, I would love to see the Mavs beat the Suns. I, as a Lakers fan, I don't like either team, but I prefer the Mavs to the Suns. Um, but it should be interesting. Uh, a couple fans were escorted out of the building last night after they reportedly were harassing Chris Paul's family. So um, Chris Paul had some words for that guy courtside. So it should be a really heated series going back to Phoenix for game five. should be really good on uh, what's today, Monday. So on Tuesday, it should be a really good game there. I'll probably definitely tune in. I have nothing going on now. So I'll probably tune in uh, Tuesday night, watch that game as I'm getting ready to head back to Austin. But um, a couple game three should be really good. Um, both of those series look great right now, but – we can kind of switch to the college basketball front if we want here. Um, a lot's been going on with the portal. Um, a lot of stuff going on Texas Tech specifically. They may be have, may, may have been the most impacted team so far based on the portal with uh, arrivals and, more more importantly, departures for them. Um, landed a commitment from Fardaz Amick, uh, top power forward slash center in the transfer portal. Um, currently 50-50 on whether or not he's going to the NBA draft. Um, I personally think he's going to be back. He's declared for the draft, but he's like keeping his eligibility type of deal. So um, yeah. he could come back. He could go to the draft. I think he'll be back. Um, he certainly could get drafted or could be a guy who gets drafted um, or decides to stay in rather. But I really think – I don't know if you you make a point to make this big of a deal of your recruitment and and do this whole – you know, this big kind of announcement on one of the biggest podcasts, college basketball podcasts out there, the Field 68 with headline by Jeff Goodman. Um, but, I mean, there's, there's tons of – um, you know, reasons why I think he's going to be back. I don't think you take all these visits and make a, make such a point of, of committing and signing with a college. If you're, if you really don't plan on going back to school. So I think he's back. Um, hope he doesn't get drafted. I really want him to be on the team next year. So um, he's a guy I think could, could be like a Bryson Williams plus um, he, he comes in as a better defender than Bryson was certainly the level of plays a lot different where he came from versus Bryson coming from UTEP, but Nevertheless, I mean, the guy's got all this. He's got a great skill set. Um, he averaged like 18 and 13 last year, 18 points, 13 rebounds, which is absolutely insane. So um, I really hope he kind of stays and uh, comes back to college, plays for Tech next year. Yeah, I know. Amick's definitely a guy that every team wants on their roster. I know he was a highly touted guy when he entered the portal. Glad he chose Tech. Um, found out after the fact that, you know, he was at the baseball game with Coach Adams, the same game I was at, just didn't realize it. Um, but, you know, like you said, compares similarly to Bryson Williams. I think he could come in, solidify his role on the team rather quickly, um, kind of as we knock those non-conference games out, I think he'll really settle in nicely. Um, and he could be a lottery pick if he comes back to Tech, you know, heads into the draft in 2023, I could see him being a top 15 pick. He even so said it, him, obviously. Well, he even said he thinks Adams can make him a lottery pick, which is part of the reason he he, he committed to Tech. So um, I really think he could be. Yeah. It'd be exciting to see, you know, if he does come to Tech, kind of what Tech's ceiling is. And side note, um, the class of 2023, the top shooting guard in the country, Elijah Fisher. He's out of Toronto, Ontario. He, the only school he's visited is Texas Tech, and that would be a massive get. Uh, likely, if he does commit 
to a school he's going to reclassify to 2022. So we're talking he'll be on the roster this fall. And he would be, by a little bit, the highest ever recruit landed by Texas Tech. And just crazy that, you know, what Mark Adams is doing here with only really been on the job for a year, um, being able to, you know, be a front runner for a five-star prospect this time of year is huge. And you can only imagine what this roster could do with, you know, Amick and Fisher on this team. Well, but yeah, I mean, they've, look- they've, been, they've been in a couple – I don't know, they've been in a couple top fives too. I mean, they've been real close. So if they can land this one, it'd be huge. Yeah, I mean, you look back at a few other guys that chose other ways. Uh, Tech was right there till the end, so it's all about landing the guy, like you said. But hopefully we do. Um, we got a lot of spots to fill on last year's roster. Uh, Texas Tech, small forward Kevin McCullough Jr., currently going through the draft process. But if he does decide to return to college basketball, he said his final two schools that he is considering would be Kansas and Gonzaga. Uh, he wants to have a – bigger role as a primary ball handler doesn't really make sense as his handles really aren't college level. I don't think, let alone pro level. Um, you know, I want to see him do well, but I just think he's in too deep for what he can do as a basketball player. And, you know, that's part of these guys. I mean, they're 20, 21, 22 years old. They got to figure out, you know, what their full potential is. And I think they're going to do anything necessary, especially nowadays with transfer portal and NIL to help them reach their full potential, whether, you know, it's the right for them or not. But I guess that's to be seen kind of what happens there. And in a similar scenario, uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., who was a Red Raider for the past few years, committed to Illinois. Uh, He'll be back in his home state, play for the Illini next season. After that, he'll most likely enter the NBA, where he initially declared for the draft last year. Um, So staying in college for an extra two years when it's all said and done should be beneficial to his draft stock, should help scouts kind of, have better idea of their role for him. And then another guy that was on the roster last year, one of my personal favorites, uh, point guard Malik Wilson, entered the transfer portal a week ago today. Uh, kind of disappointing, upset when I saw that. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, he's doing the right thing for him. He's probably the best defender I've ever seen, regardless of competition. I mean, for his competition, he's the best, you know, on-ball guy that I've ever seen. Crazy that – you know, he's probably going to Louisiana Tech to follow one of our assistant coaches that is now their head coach. But, you know, I want to see him do well. It's sad that he was only here for a year, but with, you know, how the guard room is going to look next year, it's understandable. Yeah, I've got I've got very different feelings about all three. Um, I'll start with Kev. I love Kev, but, like, man, if he goes to Kansas, dude, I, I want to – like, I'm going to support TJ. I, I am rooting so hard for TJ Illinois. Um, I met the guy personally before. He's super cool, really nice guy, um, really good human being. I'm in support of him leaving Texas Tech. I think he's maxed out his potential as a basketball player here. Everyone knows what he can do defensively. That's no secret anymore after playing in the Tech, tech system for three years. Um, he's a great defender. I think everybody knows that. There's really no more room to have growth as a defender, and I think the way that Mark Adams wants to run his offense – TJ just it just it's not doesn't conform to his kind of play, um, and that's okay. I mean that's fine. I, I'm fully in support of TJ going elsewhere if that means he gets to go to an offense that conforms better to the way he plays. Which I think the best the best way he plays the game offensively is with the ball in his hands, top of the key, uh, you know, pick and roll, dribble drive, get to the hoop. He's not he's he's really not a pull up jump shooter. He's a dribble drive slasher. 
that, that makes his money on getting to the rim uh, and being physical. And, and that's his game. And, and I, I'm, I'm happy for him. He went to Illinois. I'm glad he went there. That's where I thought he'd go as soon as he, it said he was going to go transfer. I think it's home. It's close to home for him. He'll be more comfortable there. Um, I know they were pretty high up in his recruiting uh, when, he came at, when he came out of Chicago. So it doesn't shock me he's going back home to Illinois. Um, like I said, I'm, I, I hope he is the best player in the country next year. I don't think he will be. It's just I hope he is, though. I'm pulling so hard for him. It'd be real hard to root for Kev if he went to Kansas. That yeah. was the la- like I would rather him gone to Texas to go play with Beard because I would understand that like a guy who he, he, he got recruited by played played his best basketball I think under in his second year or his I guess rather his really his second year as a full time player uh, in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one rather um I thought he played his best basketball under Beard I thought. As a as a primary ball hitter this year, it just wasn't really didn't really fit his game. I think he's a three and D guy at, at his core. Um, you know, maybe a, a you know kind of a high post jump shot guy. Um, and I really think he's a three and D guy at the next level. I don't know if he's a ball handler like you said at the next level. So um, it'd be really hard to support him going to Kansas, Gonzaga, whatever. We're not going to see Gonzaga until Final Four potentially. And, and if we get there, I don't really care. So um, I get going to Gonzaga, but like man, if he goes to Kansas, it, it feels like a low blow. Kansas is the only school in the conference, I think, that is that has solidified themselves historically as a better program. I, think, I know Baylor has the, the natty, but we were in a national championship and we were intentionally fouling up three late, you know, away from winning a natty in 2019. So I don't know if that holds much weight, honestly, over us in terms of Baylor versus us. So I think historically it's a pretty equal thing. Uh, Texas is Texas. They, they're never going to be a basketball school. Um so it would just suck to see him go to Kansas. Uh, and then Malik, I get it. The, the guard room stacked, especially if they're going to land, potentially land Fisher, who got crystal balled to us by um, the Texas Tech, the main Texas Tech 247 sports writer. Um, guys are usually pretty accurate. This crystal balls. I don't know what the other people, what other schools think of him, what other writers think about him, but where he's going to go. Tech is the only f- school he's visited. Yeah, no, I know, I know that. I just don't know like what, like Ben Golan is the guy who crystal ball. He works for two percent sports. He writes for Texas Tech. I don't know what like. Um, isn't Memphis one of his top schools also? But you said like what like what does Memphis's Ben Golan think? Like I have no idea. I don't. Right. I'm not on. I don't follow that guy on Twitter. So, but um, you know, I get it with Malik. It sucks because I think he, like you said, one of the best defenders I've ever seen at, at that at at, the, at that level of play. Um, incredible on ball defender. I just think that with with Pop coming in. Um, you know, with other guys going to be in the guard room, I just, I just, it's crowded. I don't know if you need to get playing time. It sounds like Clarence not only is going to stay now, so that's nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of, a lot of moving on the Texas Tech roster. Um, former Texas Tech power forward, though Marcus Santos Silva, fan favorite, MSS, uh, signed with the Cleveland Browns as a UDFA on on last Monday uh, to play tight end. I'm all for it. We talked about it. Tight end one, of course, it's my guy. Um, I mean, he's got the body for it. He's like, you know, 6'8". He can catch the ball at 6'8". You don't really have to run super smooth routes. You're going to be a red zone target anyways. So, um, you don't think it's a good spot for him. If Deshaun Watson plays, he's got a great quarterback. He's got a good tight end to learn from with, with Njoku and Hooper. So, um, yeah, I, think, I think it's a good spot for him. If he makes the roster, who knows? I hope he does. Probably doesn't. Hopefully makes a practice yeah. squad. I think, there's a, I think there is a place for him on a practice squad in the league. Um, you know, there's always injuries. So, um, it's never bad to have a guy like that to develop. I mean, you look at all-time great tight ends, um, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, guys with football with basketball backgrounds. Um, there's plenty of other guys in the league that have b- basketball backgrounds as well. So, um, you know, at tight end, especially 
with the way that kind of red zone offenses are now, it's not bad to have a big guy. It's, you know, six, eight, six, nine. So I know the Chargers really like Donald Parham in the red zone. He's been great for us in the red zone at six foot nine. So, um, you know, big target. So I hope he does well. I think there's a spot for him. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm really rooting for him. He's a team player to the core. I mean, more so than anyone else really in my two years at tech and been, he's done everything that's asked of him. He's always in the gym working hard. Um, Love to see him succeed in whatever he does. Uh, forgot to mention back to Kevin Culler. There's rumor that Gonzaga is slightly ahead in the favorite to land him over Kansas. Don't know why or the reasons behind good, it. Just good. Yeah. from a couple places <laughs> that Gonzaga is more likely. I don't know why, but something to look into. And then as we kind of round out college basketball, Baylor Skyman, who is arguably the highest ranked NBA prospect in the portal, uh, decided to stay in college. Committed to Creighton. He was a Summit League player of the year last year. So, Creighton, you know, Big East should be loaded again next year. That'll be exciting to see kind of how that conference pans out, especially, you know, with teams getting better. Yeah, um, I think one thing we forgot to mention um, on NCAA basketball is uh, – we didn't mention it last week, I don't think. It was Davion Harmon, a guard from Oregon, committed to Texas Tech as well. Um Guys, and it's another. I I don't know why space time talking about Malik. That's another reason that he left because if you know you get Davon Harmon, he's going to probably start immediately as the starting point guard. Um, so you figure him pop, and if they land Fisher, Fisher. But if not, him and Pop will be the, the two starting guards. So, but he was the top rated or one of the top rated point guards in, in the portal. I know he wasn't ahead of Nigel Pack, but um, one of the top rated guys in the portal. Um, really good defender, so it fits the Mark Adams mold. Um, I just totally forgot we mentioned that, but um. No, we didn't mention it, rather. Um, want to get that in there. But, I mean, the portal, like, we talked about it before. The portal is going to change how everybody, how everyone's roster looks. So, been super active, not surprising. But um, kind of shifting the football here, college football, portal's been pretty active. Uh, kind of most of it's already happened. But the portal deadline for college football was, I believe, was last week, sometime last week, yeah. or the day prior uh, – Pittsburgh receiver Jordan Addison, the 2021 Blitnikoff winner, which is best receiver in college football. Um, and now he he was the favorite target for Kenny Pickett. He's now Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Um, end of the transfer portal. Um, rumors are he's going to go to SC. Apparently he has this massive NIL offer, which consists of a house in on the beach in Los Angeles. A um, couple other things going on. They're like $3.5 million worth of NIL deals. Um, as a USC fan, I like the move if we get him. I personally think the NIL, NIL rules need NIL rules need to change because this is terrible for college football. It makes these mid-level programs like Pittsburgh, like a Texas Tech, a breeding ground for Alabama's and USC's to go pluck players from. I think it's I think it's awful. Um, again, it's not illegal though. It's not against the rules right now. So I'm not I'm not upset that USC's doing it. Um, do I think the rules are are jacked up and totally awful? Yes. But I don't. I'm not going to be. I'm not upset that USC is doing it. I wouldn't be upset if Alabama did it either. Which is where it's between Alabama and USC. So I'm not going to be pissed if he goes to Alabama over USC. I mean, it's those are the rules. So it's within the guidelines. I just think the rules are stupid. But yeah, kind of crazy that you know day and age the NIL is. They're probably going to bring in some restraints, put some restrictions on that in terms of you know how much you can pay and what you can do for guys. But be interesting. Um, that's pretty much it. Other than that, we have the former Baylor quarterback, Gary Bohannon, committed to South Florida yesterday. Kind of surprising uh, move there that we didn't really expect. You know, Shapin, I believe is his name, kind of took over for Baylor once Bohannon had that hamstring injury and played really well. You know, won him the Big 12 championship, won him the Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss. 
So that's two really solid games uh, that he kind of earned his role on that team while Gary had most of the season to play and produce, and he did really well for him. So I'm happy for Gary kind of starting and them both being starters, and Baylor should be really good again next year. Yeah, like you said, uh, Bohannon gets a fresh start at USF after losing starting job. I mean, it was probably the right move for Baylor to start. Uh, I'm going to blank on his name after you just said it, which makes sense. That's on brand right now. Um, but it makes sense that they move on from him. Um, guy, The other guy played better. So uh, strange that Bohannon goes to USF. Um, I don't understand why it's – I mean, I, I think the main thing is that he, he kind of entered the portal late. I don't know why he didn't just enter the portal – I guess he went to spring ball knowing he was in a competition and he lost. So um, right. if you knew he wanted to leave after he lost competition, he should have just gone to the portal and gone somewhere. We probably probably could have gone somewhere better than USF and gotten a starting job. But the problem is hard to enter the portal and go somewhere like that. Other already had kind of already has a starting quarterback or that's in a quarterback competition right now. Like I thought he could have come to Texas tech and been a starter, but the problem is it's too late. I mean, it looks like tech has their guy in Barrett Morton. And if they don't, then they, it's between him and Chuck and they've got a quarterback battle going on. So, you know, it's just an example I'm using because it's our it's our team, but it's hard to go find a, a, a legit power five to go play at when your spring ball's over. So I think he did himself a disservice doing that, but nevertheless, I mean, he could leave USF in a couple of years if he wanted to. So, um, you know, Malik Willis at Liberty was, you know, dra- got drafted, granted in the third round, but still, if you're good in college, they'll find you. Um, kind of interesting, but I guess – Kind of move on to the NFL here. They're not a ton of college football, really. Um, so, like I said, like spring ball's already wrapped up. Portal's closed. So, we're just waiting for commitments from a couple of guys now. But um, towards the NFL, reportedly on draft night, there were multiple offers for the 49ers star wide receiver slash running back, who will be only a receiver, uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, the Jets offer was supposedly a 10th overall pick in a pick swap. Um, man, that, hard to turn down if I'm, if I'm the Niners. And then uh, the Lions offered an even better deal at a first and a third. It would have been probably 32. Or maybe it was 12. Maybe they did it when they got on the clock at 12 and yeah. took Jameson Williams. But it was likely 32 and a third, which is still a good offer. I mean, if even if the pick swaps a swap of second-round picks, if I'm the Niners, I'm jumping all over that. Get to 10, take one of Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and, and Jameson with, with London already gone. Take, but, I mean, their best receiver was probably going to be Jamo or Garrett anyways based upon the profile that they like in receivers. They don't love the big guys like Drake London, so – the Niners not trading Debo before the draft was dumb. This stubbornness from Lynch, John Lynch, their uh, their GM, and and Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, I don't get it. The guy clearly doesn't want to play there anymore. Let him go and let him walk. Um, so I don't know. It's just strange to me. But uh, the Lions had a trade offer in for him. They also signed their top overall pick, or their I guess did Aiden Hutchinson sign already? Yes, they yep. did sign. Yeah, they signed Aiden Hutchinson already. Um, and then top picture, Trevon Walker also signed to a four-year, thirty-seven for four million dollar, fully guaranteed deal on Tuesday. Yeah, crazy. Um, I don't know why the Niners didn't take that deal. You know, receiver from the same class, AJ Brown and Marquise Brown both were traded from the same. So it's not like Debo is, you know, it's like unprecedented. Um, Niners should have taken that deal based off what Debo wants to be, kind of devaluing himself in the trade by not wanting to, you know, have many snaps in the backfield. Kind of wants to be more of an intermediate, maybe deep threat guy. Um, so, I mean, Debo refollowed the 49ers on social media. I don't know how much that means. It depends on, you know, the player. But as of now, it looks like they're kind of trying to mend the relationship and figure it out from there. So, it remains to be seeing kind of what happens at the I mean, Debo think- Samuel front. 
Think about this, though. I mean, they get rid of him. Think about the money they can go spend elsewhere to get a guy who's maybe, if you're going to use him as just a receiver, who would be just as good, if not better than him, and Garrett Wilson. I'm just saying, like, think about it from that perspective for them. You go go spend the money on on a on a on a shutdown corner in the next free agency. Go sign Bradbury. Go do some. Go sign somebody that you couldn't sign now because you have to pay Debo if you want to keep him. I, I get there have a rookie quarterback now in Trey Lance, but like Garoppolo is still on the roster. Still, they're gonna hit. They're gonna eat some cap with the trade. Like, why keep it? You save so much money and go yeah. spend it elsewhere. I don't know. I think it's just mind boggling to me. Sorry, just crazy. Yeah, it, it really confusing, but. The Niners got to do some, so we'll see what they do. Either you know, give Debo the money, or trade him away, or let him walk, um, which would be very dumb. But like we said, Trayvon Walker was signed. Second overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson was signed as well. Uh, a few other first rounders were signed. Um, kind of here in the next few weeks, will be teams kind of creating space, moving money around to get those rookies signed on deals. Um, but this past weekend, eight teams had their rookie mini camps: the Packers, Eagles, Jets, Seahawks. Commanders, Ravens, Bears, and Chiefs all kind of held their organized workouts for the rookies and select other guys that decided to come in. Um, you know, the other three quarters of the league will have their mini camp either this upcoming weekend or the weekend after. Uh, Cardinals star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins a little late, um, but he will be suspended without pay for the first six games of the season uh, due to a substance abuse violation. He claims that, you know, he was just trying to rehab and didn't realize what he was doing um don't know how truthful that is but i never really thought d hop would be a guy to you know use these peds yeah i mean this this is like what happened with julian edelman right um same type of situation i don't i know there's a clip of now i mean edelman's been retired and basically someone asked him like hey man were you juicing and i don't remember his response but i my mind is telling me that he said like he kind of implied like yeah, I was taking some shit that I probably shouldn't have, but I don't remember what he said. It's my mind is telling me that he said that, but I don't remember. Um, but in a similar situation, the guy's just rehabbing and, and took something he shouldn't have taken. So whether he knew it or not, I have no idea. This happens. This has happened to other guys before. So um, I think D-Hop's going to try and contest it. I don't, I don't think he wins. I mean, the league has made it clear that they don't, even if it's an accident, they're not going to cut you a break. So um Kind of, con- kind of confusing. I mean, he got, he t- his test was from like November or December, and it finally came back, and they were suspended him. So I think the Cardinals probably knew this was coming, which is which explains the Hollywood Brown trade. Yep. Um, still don't love the move for him, regardless. But that's beside the point. Um, it's a big blow for them, I think. I mean, that offense was not the same without him at the end of the season when he got hurt. I mean, they were a shell of themselves. So it, it makes the Hollywood Brown thing make more sense. And I guess I, I like it a little bit more now that I know that, but. Um, Still not great. And then in terms of rookie minicamps, um, I'm excited for the Chargers. I think, they, I think theirs is next weekend. Um, really looking forward to it. It's a fun time. You get to see these guys in action for the first time. Um, I know for some, jersey numbers get, re- get announced for OTAs. Not of them all stick, but um, I think it's pretty cool. I like that they do it. Um, most most teams have their they like their team captains are always there. So, like, starting quarterbacks will be there, starting linebackers, that kind of thing, team captains. So, I expect, like, Justin Herbert to be at OTAs, Derwin James for, uh, for the Chargers. Um Another news, uh, free agent safety Tyron Matthew signed with the New Orleans Saints on a three or $33 million deal. Um, he's playing New Orleans for him in his home state of Louisiana. He played at LSU, so it makes sense that the home, the home ties there. Um, I'm not super shocked. 
uh, he goes to New Orleans. I think we mentioned earlier uh, in the pod, I think probably a month ago when he did his visit to New Orleans, we, we were surprised he left without a deal. Um, so I think him signing in New Orleans didn't shock me. I think it was just them. You know, what if Kyle Hamilton fell to him and they're going to take him? Um, I mean, they, they traded up for a receiver and it was, hey, maybe he falls was at 19 or maybe we have a guy we like and we pick him. So I think it was kind of an after the draft type of deal. Uh, which kind of we expected for Matthew. So, um, but good, good, good get for New Orleans. They lose Marcus Williams. They replace him with a guy who's older, but uh, still probably at least for this year probably has a similar impact. Maybe not in the future, but um, this is a right now move for New Orleans. I mean, it's a wide open seventh spot in the playoffs in the NFC. So uh, they can make a run if they can get their quarterback played down for sure. Um, previously played for the Cardinals, Texans, and Chiefs. So um, good move there for him. Uh, going to just going down back. Pardon me. Down back home to New Orleans. Uh, other free agency news: the Chargers signed uh, free agent corner Bryce Callahan uh, to a one-year deal. There's no contract value on it yet. If I had to put a guess on it, my educated guess is that it's probably around a two million between like one seven five and two million is probably what I think the deal is going to be worth. Um, but what I expected for him, I'm glad they went and got him. I mean, it was like within a couple of days after the draft. So they didn't really get a corner that high. I thought they may get a corner of the third. They didn't. So they go sign Bryce Callahan to be their, their fourth corner. Um, probably probably play a lot of football. Honestly, they're, someone's going to get hurt in that secondary. So he'll he'll definitely be corner to three when that happens. But um, he's a versatile guy. Going to be a slot corner for him. So it adds more flexibility to that secondary. Um, and they also signed Calavan Noy the other day to a one-year $2.25 million deal. Um Guy who was used as, as a box linebacker and an edge rusher in New England. I think he'll be more of an edge rusher for us. Um, either way, I'm good with it. I really like the signing uh, for the Chargers specifically for my team. Um, I think it's a good move. It's a, it's a veteran deal about what you expect for him. That's why I kind of put the Bryce Callahan thing at $2 because I figure Van Noy gets 2.25. A little better of a year than, than Callahan did last year, so I'll go with around two for Callahan. But, um, no, it's a really, really good get again. The Chargers didn't get – get that fourth edge third edge three slash four in the draft. Um, you know, they weren't going to do it super high because they invested their second round pick into an edge player. So, um, but I expected maybe in the fourth, fifth, sixth round to get an edge and they didn't. So um, they go and sign Van Noy. So uh, really love the signing for them. I think it's a, he's a really quality guy on the edge to play uh, with Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack and Chris Rump or Chris, Chris Rump Jr. Chris Rump the third. I can't remember his jersey's got the, it's either has the two or the three on it. It doesn't have junior. It's either a two. Or you got three. I can't remember. I can't picture it right now. Um, but no, good signing there. And then uh, some guys to look out for in the next few kind of next few days, next few weeks. Um, guys should sign pretty soon. You know, a lot of high quality vets still out there. Um, pass catchers, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, rumored to maybe be back in Cleveland. Uh, Jarvis Landry, a guy who Baltimore Ravens has some interest in. Uh, Will Fuller, Julio Jones, uh, a couple of big names there. Cole Beasley, T.Y. Ty- Hilton. Manuel Sanders, Deshaun Jackson, and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, I think he jokingly said it, but I think he was like half serious that he would go back to Tampa if they signed Julian Edelman. And I think yeah. Edelman is so done playing football. I think he's tired of it. I yeah. would be too if I was him. He got, he got beat up like crazy being as small as he was in the league. So, um, But definitely some some legit pass catching names out there, some guys who could who could be, you know, great wide receiver threes and, and, see, and solid wide receiver twos. I, mean, I don't think Odell and Julio – our wide receiver ones anymore. I think that both those guys are just past their prime athletically. Um, it's hard when you're a receiver and you lose a step. It's it's hard to be that guy still um, with Julio and Odell. Both it's injuries for them, but um, certainly some guys out there that could that can make a high impact for a team. Uh, now on the O line up front, if the big fellows, um, Dwayne Brown, J.C. Treader, Eric Fisher, and Riley Reef are still available, as is uh, Dennis Kelly, I believe, another guy out there. Uh, is he still available? Right. 
believe so. Okay, I thought he was another another guy who played go play right tackle for somebody. Um, so got a few got a few tackles still available out there. Um, JC Treader being probably the best interior offensive lineman on the market. So look for those guys going to get picked up here in the next few days by uh, teams that don't you know have have holes they need to fill in the offensive line. So uh, should be interesting again. This kind of second wave of free agency should start to kick in pretty soon. Yeah, no, a lot of high end guys, uh, especially there in the wide receiver category. As we shift over kind of the defense, got front seven and DBs. You got Javion Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Jerry Hughes, you know, Keem Hicks, older guy. But a lot of teams are interested in him. Just no one's pulled the trigger yet. Trey Flowers, Anthony Barr, who's just tackling machine. Justin Houston, who will likely end up back with the Ravens. Sheldon Richardson, Dominic Sue, Larry Okunjobi, Dante Hightower. Really loaded front seven there. Um, a lot of guys probably signed one-year deals out of this group finishing off their careers. Uh, and then we have the DBs, Kevin King, Joe, Her- Joe Hayden, James Bradbury. Uh, James Bradbury was cut today. I think he signs a deal probably with the Eagles. We were both kind of thinking that that, that would be the front runner for him. Just in terms of the room and the space they have, um, really good player, Joe Hayden. I don't – I think he's terrible now. I don't know if he's going to sign anywhere immediately. Uh, a guy that really fell off last year, but I don't know if he gets signed. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's the DB room's always strange. I mean, James Bradbury is certainly a starter who's gonna a guy's gonna come in and be a starter immediately. Um, other than that, Kevin King is a guy who could maybe be decent, maybe not. He's like a depth piece, and Joe Hayden, like you said, is a bum now. He's washed. So. Um, other than that, I mean, it, it kind of dried up with right before for, uh, the draft, and then with with Matthew signing, it's kind of dry now in the safety market. So it's really just DB in corners now. Um, Bradbury, like you said, the Eagles probably, so he should go be signed somewhere and be an immediate impact starter for a team. And I agree. Uh, I think he can be really high end player, corner two, possibly corner one on some teams. Uh, figure out probably in the next few weeks a bunch of these guys will find new homes for at least the next season probably more than one year for some guys Uh, but that pretty much rounds out the episode today a little bit of a shorter one Uh, just kind of want to fill y'all in we have another episode coming Thursday a little bit later than 6pm we are going to have the schedule release happening at 7pm our time on Thursday so we're going to have an episode after that probably talk about some primetime games Thanksgiving, Christmas some games that should gain attention, maybe some games that are under the radar a little bit uh, with some teams that are new and improved, um, as well as the new baseball rankings and a few other things, you know, standings updates in the NHL and NBA playoffs. Uh, But, yeah, probably a little shorter episode on Thursday as well as we get back to our normal routine. But that's pretty much it for me. Uh, Do you have anything? I don't think so. Like you said, want to get some schedule release in there for you guys. Um, Today we kind of split up part of the episode that we were – should have done last week, uh, put that on today, and then kind of give you guys, like I said, updated updated baseball, college baseball standings, and then maybe some MLB stats. But other than that, just wanted to get some schedule release in there for you guys. Um, like I said, should be some good games coming up uh, from the schedule release. Slept on games, primetime games, good matchups, uh, maybe some key matchups on the stretch that we could see, a couple of divisional games late around, you know, week 16 through 18 that could be highly critical um, for playoff seeding. So, but yeah, should be good. Looking forward to the episode on Thursday. Um, Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Cold Seat Podcast. Uh, Other than that, I think that's about it. We'll see you guys on Thursday.
Yep, see you.